<laughs> okay, one more time. All right. I'm April Margulies. And I'm Christopher Tompkins. And you're on the line with the Hype Busters. Welcome. Ready for some real talk on strategic communication? You're in the right place. Oh, I am doing pretty darn good. How about you? I'm I'm almost back to being human. I feel like a full full person, the brain that works, and every once in a while I'm still a little hacky, but other than that, I am almost back to being fully April. (laughs) Fully April. I love it. It was it was a close call for a while. Well, you know, it's one of the, it's like no one understands the stress that agencies go under, under the fourth quarter. And then if you do get sick, it's, it, it's almost like end of days. It really is. Uh, I mean. <laughs> it felt like it. Yeah. It was like, how am I going to survive this? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like if you forget somebody's birthday and you say that you're really busy. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, we really are very, very busy. Um, just the amount of people that, um, and let me, let me, let me bust some hypes right now. <laughs> you know, uh, people, <laughs> people, everyone thinks that all, every company out there has all their ducks in a row well before the end of the year. So they start up the year with a full plan in place. I'm here to bust that hype and tell you that not a lot of people do. Um, a, a lot of people are kind of scrambling around and, you know, that's, and is that, something against them? No, it's just kind of how everything is right now because stability is all over the place. And we'll talk about that um, later in, in our trends, but um, it's it's been really interesting. I mean, you've been seeing that as well, haven't you? Oh yeah. No, a lot, a lot of companies were all of a sudden, oh my God, we need to spend all of our money right now for tax reasons. And they wanted to pay up front, right? To get that out of the way. Or they were suddenly we need a PR team in place for 2022 and we need it now. And like, let's get it figured out all, all at once. So, which is great for business. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. It's Um, not great for being sick. Yeah, exactly. And also bandwidth. It's because it's kind of funny because uh, a lot of, I always hear this. The two things I hear a lot that I think are just, just are never true. The first one is that summers are quiet. And everyone's on vacation and that's why summers are so quiet. Yeah. I don't really, I've never found that to be true. And also, um, oh, everyone before the 15th of December, before the 15th of December, everyone's done. After that, you're not gonna be able to get in touch with anybody. I, I, I don't necessarily believe that. I mean, closing business the last week after Christmas is, is like a usual thing. Yeah. I, uh, I have a new business call on the 21st, so... Yep. Uh, it's, it's a new business call on the 21st, onboarding on the 27th. And uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What, what else is going on in your world? Um, well, you know, just kind of going through uh, a lot of different, different updates uh, to all of the platforms, which are super cool and I love. Mm. Um, but you know what? Don't give me all of my gifts at once. You know, all the new clients and all the new things. And I have to learn all of them. It's just a... Merry Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas. But it's like, I was telling one of my, one of my partners that um, I said, it's not like I'm, it's like I'm being shot out of a cannon and I'm trying to grab a bird to slow down. Like, I feel that like, I'm just really, really getting catapulted really quickly into 2022, which I think is great. 
because I'm excited about like a lot of the stuff like the and how the metaverse is going to really like roll out and how that's going to look and feel and that's going to have lots of challenges and I like that kind of stuff you know I like solving problems but but yeah it's just it's like overkill and then you're also doing holiday parties and you're doing different entertaining things and going out and yep. one. so yeah December could be a, a pretty crazy month oh I forgot to tell you too um I I got um something I got something wrong with my thumb so my thumb has an infection do you, I never I, I've never known how many times I use my thumb in a day I can tell you now it's more than I want to tell you <laughs> what how do you get an infection in your thumb well, I'm, anyone who knows me, I'm big on Christmas, like big, big, big on Christmas. So every inch of my house and office is decorated in Christmas decorations, meaning that that takes about five, five days to fully execute. I'll, yeah. send you, I'll send you pictures, April. It's like, absolutely, it's insane. But um, at the same time, I got poked with something and I don't know what it was. I, I don't know if it was a bite or if it was a, a something. But my thumb swelled up to like two times its size, and I looked like I had like a, a like a comedy hitchhiking thumb on. Um, did you go to the doctor? I did. I did telemedicine, um, and they they um, looked at it, and he he gave me antibiotics, and it's going down, and it's getting better. It still hurts. Um, so what did that, you get? You think, but it was like a black widow or something. What you get bit by? I don't think I got bit. I think I got poked by something like a metal or something, and it was a mild like mild something or other um because I mean, you didn't have to get a tetanus shot <laughs> no i'm 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 fully uh i'm fully uh, immune oh my god so anyway that's that's been like a big story in in the undercurrent that no one that's listening to this cares about but um, <laughs> you know anybody i'm accepting any get well soon cards or wishes you can please send them to uh our offices in tampa but um but yeah so that's been that's oh been god. real fun that's why like anytime that I get a contract and it's like, Hey, can we, can we, can you re-edit these six things? I'm like, Oh my God, that's so much thumbing. <laughs> that's so much thumb. That sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. And still it's like, I'm, cooking, oh. I'm getting ready for the holidays and it's like, everything is thumb oriented. Oh, that's terrible. But I thumb digress. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, unless anybody wants to hear any more thumb anecdotes, which I'm sure you don't. I think I'm full uh, up on. Yeah. Thumb yeah. anecdotes. Thumb life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get ready for news and trends. Are you ready for this? Yes, let's do it. All right. So uh, <clears throat> there's quite a few that we came through. Um, and one of them in particular that kind of caught my attention is this is this the most timely thing that you're hearing at the moment? Probably not, but at the same time, it's just the amount of um, generation Zers out there that are that are just absolutely out of touch with traditional Black Friday marketing. And it said two thirds. Here's what I found. Two thirds. Oh, thanks, Siri. I didn't ask anything. <laughs> See, don't you hate when you're having a very important conversation and Siri chimes in? Um, I don't even know what you said that it would have triggered her. I don't know. It's probably it's it's someone listening to me. Um, they must have heard. They must have heard that I was having a Gen really, Z. really uh, no. They I think they might have heard my thumb story and just like, hey, I gotta get in on this guy. He's 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 talking about interesting things. Um, but yeah, two thirds of um, Generation Z are out of touch with traditional Black 
Friday marketing. Now, what is interesting is the article from, uh, I think it was Marketing Tech, is that it's the responsibility, the corporate responsibility and sustainability is what they're really interested in, interested in. And they actually are more prone to engage with the brand because they spend the most, right? They spend a lot of money um, um, during that, that shopping period. But one of the things that was really interesting in this article is that they were saying that Generation Z were, were um, actually compelled to purchase from a brand that was going to offer some sort of um, charitable donation to something that was climate focused. I see. Mm. And, and I think that that's really, I really interesting. I don't think it's very shocking though about Generation Z though. Do you find that shocking? No, but I think it's a, it's sort of um, an omen of what's to come as well. Cause I feel like Gen Z in general is not gonna be down with traditional marketing tactics. I think things around holidays, I think even things about, you know, we've talked about before, like the big LGBT um, mm-hmm. sales and marketing and advertising oh, yeah, yeah. that happens mm-hmm. around gay pride and stuff. I feel like they're going to be like, yeah, we see through this shit. Mm-hmm. We want to just, we want to know what you're doing that's better, that's better in the world. And if a brand is just doing straight up, you know, Valentine's Day sales, I mean, I think if they're not into Black Friday, I think we, I think there's a whole new world of marketing that's going to unfold for Gen Z. Any freaking men. You know what I mean? It's, it's <clears throat> looking at kind of the model for Black Friday in particular. There, I mean, because, I mean, before, before where we are right now, say like 10 or 15 years ago, there was guides on how to execute Black, mar- Black, um, Black Friday marketing campaigns and what words you needed to use, what colors you needed to use, what images you needed to use. Mm-hmm. And that whole world, that like kind of newspaper coupon kind of buy the newspaper. Because remember, I remember growing up, it was getting the newspaper on Thanksgiving or in finding and looking through the paper was super thick and it was packed with all the sales that you had to go to and all the different stores. And then you'd go and find where you wanted to go and then do Black Friday. And that, no one cares about that um, in that generation. And I mean, I like it. I like it a lot because I, I'm thirsty for better ways to marketing people that are fresh. Because mm-hmm. I think that marketing these, these messages that are like kind of nail on the head messages, um, I, don't, I just find them extremely impersonal in the world that we're living right mm-hmm. now. I feel like it's, it's tone deaf. It is. Yeah. No, and I think in general, brands are going to have to get more and more congruent within their values and what they're doing to express right. them or people are not going to be interested in their marketing. So it's one of those, like, you know, you can't, I mean, this has always been true, but it's never been more true, right? Where it's like, you, you can't tell people you're trustworthy or that you're sustainable or that you're innovative or that you're disruptive. You have to be it. Yep. And if you aren't doing the thing that shows that you are the thing that you want people to think you are, forget about it. <laughs> like, like there's no, there's nowhere to go from there. Nobody's going to find you credible. Nobody, no media is going to cover you. Not going to get press. You're not going to get, in, you're not going to impress anybody with your advertising. You're going to have to, you have to do it. You have to, you know, walk the walk. Yeah. And, and I think that <clears throat> there are still brands out there that are holding on to these, these older tactics. And, and I do feel it's like an evolve or die type scenario. Yeah. We're they, there. Yeah. I think we're there because these people that, uh, cause I, I think a lot of 
customers or clients or the audience that your target audience for some brands, the brand talks to them like they're being catfished, you know, like they, they, they like, they feel like they can very easily kind of get over on them um, by saying, Hey, eco-friendly or something like that, where it doesn't really like eco-friendly Exxon. I mean, what? Right. And then you show up at the date and they're not eco-friendly. Like, Oh, no, Ew. you're not eco-friendly. Wow. This is oh my not God. Match- Did you just throw a napkin out the window? This does not match the picture. <laughs> yeah. Those, the, those dates were ones I always hated. Turn up, ready to see, like have a, like a real hot and heavy date. They're not eco-friendly. I mean, I get so upset. <laughs> I, you know how many times right off of those websites thanks match.com um not endorsing match.com we're not endorsing it but just talking about it okay so we have other we have other stuff um in terms well you know it's interesting that you that this is coming up as the sustainability piece as well because i just saw that today adweek partnered with sustainable brands and Mm -hmm. a to create and to create this coalition so there's this coalition now that's creating sustainability tools for marketers. Um, and they're bringing together CMOs from, you know, different companies to share yeah. best practices and accelerate innovation in the space. So yeah. obviously this is, you know, uh, it, it says, uh, you know, the lead is sustainability has become a buzzword in 2021 and for a good reason. So I think that the fact that we're seeing this twice means that sustainability is going to be big, big, big trend for marketers to, to keep in mind in 2022. And I think to the points we made before, you have to be sustainable. You can't just say, we're doing this thing with our light bulbs and it means that we're sustainable. Like where you have to have real proof points. You can't have fake things, especially not for PR. Marketing, you shouldn't do that anyway, but PR, yeah. forget it, forget it, you're in trouble. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think yeah. that the, the social audience would 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 view you as a pariah if you pre- presented like false claims at sustainability, especially right now. Sustainability, I think, is the next nerve that everyone's going to have to be very careful about. Um, you know how how it was it was it was sex, then it was race, then it was affiliation, then it was uh, the next thing up is where do you stand on sustainability? And I think that that is going to be yeah. a thing for twenty twenty two. And thank God. I mean, really, I think it's a good conversation for us to be having. Mm-hmm. Um, then going from sustainability right into the, the pit of despair, um, where we have the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful from Washington Post, Amazon um, report on that more than a quarter of the search results on Amazon are paid ads. And this has been actually, that's according to a complaint that was fl- um, that filed by a coalition of labor unions. Yikes! Yikes! Stripes, food stripes, gum. Did you like when you read when you when you looked at the story, April? Was this shocking to you? Yes, I had no idea. I'm mm. I'm embarrassed that I have no idea. This is. I mean, they, do they yeah. they list them or they don't list them? Both. Sponsored, sponsored, sponsored. Mm-hmm. That means it's paid. Yeah, but I but there's different there's different types of Amazon ads. So there's different things that pop up during listings. There's also boosting that you can do. So there's different elements of advertising. So you can contribute different pieces of your listing to, uh, to advertise content. So that's, if you're not, here's the deal. I don't, I don't mess with Amazon at all in our agency. Really? I don't mess with it. 
I, I mean, I'll use it. I'll utilize it like for order for personal use. Um, but I don't do, I don't focus any marketing of my marketing energy or power on that site just because it's not, it's deep. Let's just say that. And um, there's a lot of ways that um, I've, I've experienced lots of companies spending a lot of money on Amazon and getting completely kicked off of the platform after investing the money. Um, I've seen really crazy things happen. So it's not somewhere I feel really safe marketing from a client. I feel kind of, it's a lot of, a lot of risk and it is, but yeah, it's, it's like going, it's like, it's like a gamble, right? If you, if you hit big, you win big. But I think a lot of people feel like there's a playbook that you learn and then you can, you can exceed, exceed and excel on it. And it's not always the case. And this is right there. That's telling you that you need to be doing advertising. Mm-hmm. So how many people are trying to like do all of this wonderful marketing and trying to get people to view those listings and get, oh, it's all based on reviews or it's based on, you know, how many people are viewing and purchasing. There's tons of things. Like, for example, if you do a Facebook ad and you drive traffic to um, an Amazon listing mm-hmm. and say I get a thousand clicks to that ad and I get a thousand views to that page. If it doesn't convert convert at a specific percentage, you get dinged in your search results and you show up lower because you have not, a lot of people are not purchasing. So you fall down in the, res, the search results as a result. So I never, ever have an Amazon link ever in anything that I put out for my clients. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. But it's just, it's showing that like advertising is something that is extremely important to think about when you're coming up with your budgets. It's not, it shouldn't be an afterthought. And if you're doing, if Amazon is, if you're going to like, oh, I want to, I really want to build my store um, on my own website. So I have ownership, but I also find Amazon really, Amazon's where I get 80% of my business, but at a very low profit level, you have to have advertising dollars for both. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane not to. Very interesting. So then another thing that's another news story that I, that kind of delights me. Um, because I'm a total nerd, is Facebook actually doing something right? I'm, I was really shocked. I mean, because I hate them, and I hate the platform, and it's such a it's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I just it, it's just such heavy lifting. And of course, you know, clients are successful on it, and it's da 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 da. But there's a lot of things that bug me as a marketer. So one of them is that we, there's not a real creator lane. There's no, like, for example, on LinkedIn, you have a professional profile that you can go out and reach out to people and whatever. But on Facebook, it's really like you either have a page or you have your own personal profile. Right. Well, Facebook is looking to kind of make some changes to this, which is thank God, because they're trying to get creators. Now, that Facebook is trying to woo creators is a positive for Facebook because I think that they're understanding that this is the time to evolve. I actually kind of feel that when they rename the company, it opened up just like we'll talk about Jack Dorsey in a little bit. Um, I think when they renamed the um, the company, they opened up their architecture a little bit and they've kind mm-hmm. of unlinked, unlinked this legacy model that they have so mm-hmm. that there's some change because I hate the legacy model, like hate it. Um, but this, I'm sorry, I'm really passionate about hating Facebook, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but this makes me interested. So on December 8th, they introduced a professional mode for profiles in the United States only. And it allows creators new revenue opportunities and providing tools to help grow their audience. Um, And these tools were previously limited to pages, meaning that profiles will now get a lot of the same features as pages. And I think that's awesome. 
I think that that's going to, because like I said to you, like when we were chatting before we, we started today's show, um, have we ever had a call for a Facebook influencer campaign? No. No. Facebook knows that. Um, and they see what Instagram is and TikTok is and how things are evolving. So you need to have that piece. And then this mm-hmm. is what that piece will become. But I do feel that for brands, that's going to enable you to have a professional spokesperson account that will allow you to engage in groups and engage with other people that aren't tied to showing your kids and showing your grandmother's birthday and showing and all your pets. Yeah. All of your pets. Did all you of say your, like, boobs? Boobs? Did you say boobs? I didn't say, you're, you're <laughs> saying, you're saying boobs, but you sound like you're saying boobs. <laughs> what did you say that sounded like boobs? I, I don't remember. I mean, maybe I just, I had a, a Freudian boob slip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but enough about breasts, April. I mean, you know, <laughs> getting a creator account on Facebook, it's a creator, a creator account on Facebook is the bra to your Facebook marketing campaign. <laughs> it's going to provide the right level of support for every size, including <laughs> underwires for support, which could be groups. Look at me drawing my, my metaphors out. I, I, it's, it's amazing how I can do that. I didn't know you knew that much about bras. Oh my God, absolutely. I, I, I've seen them all my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, all I guess, I don't know. I, Boys are brawl lurking somewhere, um, but oh boy. Uh, but yeah. So um, so I think that's really interesting. And also something else that they've done is for these creators, one of the biggest pains in the asses with Facebook is when your account gets locked, and you have no way of figuring out what to do. Well, Facebook is addressing that, and they're they're creating extra support levels for creators so that if their account gets locked out for any reason. They can, they can have someone dedicated that can help them out. Now, currently how that works is it doesn't work. Um, you, I was telling you the story of one client that we had that we had to work for, they hired us to unlock their account. So mm-hmm. that was the service that they got with us. And it took us two months. And it was basically every 72 hours, we had to send a message and we send a message and, and poke and poke and poke. Finally, we got it, but that's annoying. What if I was, my business was associated with that? So what do you have to do to be a creator? Do you have to be a certain kind of influencer or can anybody be a creator? Anybody. You just turn the, you just turn the account on. So, um, so we'll talk about um, additional Instagram accounts and cash or trash. But I would say that what I would do is if I was a brand and I was looking yeah. at a spokesperson account, I would create a Facebook account and create it as a creator account and then uh-huh. start putting putting um, content in there. Um, it could be branded to your company, but why not just do uh, a traditional, this is where my mind goes, a thought leader account. So if you are um, a service-based business or you are, you could be a product salesperson or whatever. So um, I should start one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then you could talk about what would, what would you talk about? You would talk about everything that we're talking about on the show. Right. Talk about um, things related to um, funny things that you've seen. Like basically everything that's within the PR lane that positions right. as an expert. Which also makes me less annoying to my friends. So I'm not posting on my work stuff on my personal page and nobody cares if they don't care about my work. Absolutely. Okay, great. So this is great. This then, is great. Then you okay. Can, then you can- You sold me on it. Well, I'm, I- I, well, that's I also hate Facebook. 
that's also kind of my job to sell this. But like the, but Fair what enough. I will say is that I just made this sound really, really great. Who the F is on Facebook? I mean, like, you know, it, it's going to take a little while because they're trying to pull people back into it. But I mean, we're raising a, a whole generation of people that are, are not even creating accounts on Facebook. So it's kind of out of touch. I mean, that they're doing this now is kind of yeah. a little late. I'm glad they're doing it. Gives us no more opportunities. So but... pretty late to the party though. Oh my God. It's like the party was over. It's already been cleaned up and it's the next day. And then they're like, hey, party. Do you think it's going to work? <laughs> um, we'll see. Because I think that those creator accounts, depending on how the metaverse lands and with all of the different VR and AR stuff that they're trying to do, mm-hmm. that's when that could be interesting. But mm-hmm. if it all kind of, if it's all duds, nah, I don't think okay. it will work. I think they're doing a lot of things that they need to be super cool in order for them to land. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because they're nerds. Um, <laughs> that's my that's my Facebook. But also, right, you, I like had, it. you had um, we were looking at something about supply chain as well. Yeah, there was a, there was a story in um, Marketing Brew yep. about supply chain issues affecting advertisers as they ramp up the holiday marketing. Um, so basically a lot of people are shifting their ad spend later in the year because of low stock and it's, it's having, I mean, this is not really a surprise. I don't think to anyone based on how everyone was having issues with actually keeping up with demand as it was. So then it's like, oh my God, why would we advertise when we can't even keep up with the current orders we have? Mm -hmm. But what I'm curious about is when is this actually going to end? you know well because i, I don't it's kind of like i feel that it's kind of the holidays is like a, an anaconda eating a cow and i feel like it's kind of passing through the anaconda um and not the anaconda the Nicki minaj anaconda or the jennifer lopez it movie anaconda but um the original anaconda but um i feel that like this is the time when we were going to see this the the biggest issue with it right because yeah. this is what everyone's doing a lot of purchasing. So, I mean, even today, I've turned off four ads for clients that are out of stock on products. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's a, it's a real thing that's, that's happening. And then in the reason, oh, and I've talked to other people that um, basically they've had to pause their entire marketing campaign for weeks because they're not able to get certain aspects of their product or their service or whatever. Delivered. Right. And, um, right. I think that when we start off with the new year, we start off lean. So I think a lot of people are pretty lean in terms of their everything because they're trying to refocus. So hopefully that creates a little bit of a vacuum that we can kind of reset in February. That'd be nice. But I don't know. It's kind of like I was talking to my parents the other day and they're just like, where did everybody go that was in the workforce? Like, where did they all go? And I don't know, not can't look into a crystal ball on that i mean i think a lot of for a while i know a lot of people were just collecting unemployment and i know um small business owners even around here were telling me they couldn't hire anybody because they're if they were paying minimum wage or even close to it for their hospitality their pizza place right or whatever it was mm-hmm. that unemployment people were collecting was neck and neck with that 
And yep. so why would they go back to work? But then all these small business owners were suffering and were, you know, on the verge of closing their businesses. So it's definitely something that was, I hope that that's not why people are still not working, but it's not totally clear to me if it's mm -hmm. that, or if they just, people are all living the dream, pursuing their hobbies, freelancing, mm -hmm. not totally clear to me what, what's happening other than, I mean, that was, that was pretty obvious for a while, but now is that still the case? I don't know. Um, because personally, I don't, I don't understand it either. I don't have anybody in my network that is doing that. So it, I guess, I'm, I guess it's just, I'm just not exposed to it, but I, I mean, what you said sounds completely correct in terms of the unemployment and, and maybe smaller companies are paying that and that's why they're having those issues. But I mean, it's like truck drivers and it's like the supply chain stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's really problematic if people that are still working that don't have enough people to work for them are then paying for all of these other people not to work. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. This is yeah. a mess. It is. And that's why we should focus on sustainability in 2022. <laughs> you and your sad thumb. <laughs> and my sad thumb. And if you're, if you're watching the video feed of this, which is just absolutely enthralling. Put a I, gross band-aid on it. Run. Yeah, and it's, it's because it's my all-day band-aid, so it's great. To come oh, up. yep. So oh, icky. Smells like soup. <laughs> it doesn't smell like soup. It smells delicious. Um, I doubt that. No, uh, but I can't verify that, but I cannot confirm or deny that my, my thumb smells like soup. Um, <laughs> another, another thing that we wanted to talk about, it's kind of old news, but I think it's, it's good news to talk about. Um, we were talking about, like I mentioned before, Jack Dorsey leaving um, as yeah. Twitter. And um, one of the articles that I read was kind of like, well, what's the future hold for Twitter? Now, Twitter is another one of those legacy models, right? So everything was around Jack Dorsey's ideals and Jack Dorsey's this and Jack Dorsey's that. Right. I have nothing against the guy, but this is, this is why change is hard sometimes because there are so many things tied to how someone had created the infrastructure. By him leaving and um, someone new coming in, it breaks that legacy so it could open the architecture for a brighter future for Twitter. Um, I think one of the things that Twitter is always kind of a little bit behind on is innovation. And just like Facebook, I think Facebook's really slow on that too. And they are really leaning into innovation. And I think that this new CEO is going to allow them to embrace the metaverse a little bit more. Um, I mean, because even with the Twitter blue um, being launched and being available, that really does enhance the offerings. Mm -hmm. Greatly, no. But these are steps in the right direction. You know, um, I think people getting compensated for their work and their content and their engagement is something that is useful because what you're doing is you're paying individuals for influence rather than the machine for that mm -hmm. machine's influence. So I do, I do like that a lot more. And I'm hoping that we lean into that a little bit more in 2022, that we're empowering individuals rather than empowering machines. Um, but Again, I mean, then we have Elon Musk that wants to put a chip in our head so we could talk to our machines better. Um, have you read that story? What? Oh, clearly not. What? Oh my what? gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my god! I'm gonna find it. I read it the other day. Oh um, no! And he's gonna quit 
uh, Tesla to become a full-time influencer? Oh my God. It totally auto-filled the entire thing when I typed it in. Um, it's Neuralink. Here, let me share it. This is, article, this is the article I read. It was in Business Insider. No. I'll pop it. I'll pop it over so you, so you can look at it. And um, it's basically. So he's wants, the Antichrist. Well, that's what I'm <laughs> That's what I've been told by my insiders. Um, I'm sorry. I'm the sorry. angel inspired me to share this. No, um, so it's called Neuralink. And he, it's, it, he hopes to start implementing its brain chips in humans in 2022, which is later than he anticipated. Um, and basically there's, there's health pluses to this um, as people that have spinal injuries. Um, but this is kind of a look over here move. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a little frightening. It's terrifying, little frightening. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but literally uh, the image that I saw when I saw the story for the first time was a chip and where it was going to be located in your, in the, like a frontal lobe. Um, and I, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. No, there's and, no way he's gonna, I mean, how many people have the vaccine now? What percentage of Americans? Oh, I have no idea. I'm looking. You look. I'm looking. See, as, as a PR expert, April's searching tech, tech abilities are very, very highly fine-tuned. She's like a tiger pouncing on its prey from her Google searches. I'm working on it. No, but what I really want to know is if people do not want to put the vaccine in their body, who is going to put this freaking chip in their, in their brain, their, their head? Mm-hmm. How is he going to get, says, uh, da, 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 sorry, it's not an, op- it, this is, this article is not, there are a lot of religious exemptions, but hold, I'm trying to find the actual number now. 40% of Americans are not fully um, okay. immunized. So I bet you not more than 30% would do this. Well, I, well, they're really they're really focusing around people that have like like debilitating spinal injuries. They were they're they're paralyzed and whatever. I see, I see, I see. So there's that's how. But once you put something inside, that's where it starts, you know. Um, and I yeah, I I don't love that. It sounds terrible too, didn't it? But um, everyone look at my thumb. And then um, <laughs> the thumb is way less gross. Yeah. Look, it's all better. That's my other one. <laughs> Um, no, I, cause what, what, I heard this really funny joke. Okay. So how do you know if someone has a Tesla? I don't know. They'll tell you. It's <laughs> 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 oh, amazing. Don't forget to use that joke at all your dinner parties. You might get a, you might get soft <laughs> laughter. But if, you, if someone owns a Tesla, they'll probably just dislike you. But they probably already paid off that joke already for you. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, don't want to go. I don't want to talk about this. Give this guy any more airspace. But um, let's but move yeah, on. let's move on. I think we have um, something exciting coming up. Although Elon Musk is becoming a full-time uh, influencer Ugh. and probably running for president. That's my guess. Yay! I'm moving. I don't know where to move anymore. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> You always say you're leaving the country and going somewhere. It's kind of like I can't fill in the blank just yet. Um, let's right, go. and now we're stuck. All right, so let's 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 dust off 
another one of our favorite segments, which is point and counterpoint. And today we have the sex, always sexy, always cutting edge, <laughs> as I sarcastically set this up, Instagram. So there's two different elements of Instagram that we're going to chitty chat about today. Um, the first one being that um, something I read in the hustle and Instagram wants, to, wants users to start fresh. So Instagram is encouraging users to create a second account to keep up with a smaller group of friends. So they, um, they know that your feed is cluttered. So this is their version of helping. So what do you think about this? That April? seems crazy to me to set up a second Instagram account when I don't know why they can't just create a feature where you do favorites or something like that, where you like have your favorite friends the same way that you can on your phone or anywhere else, right? You just, okay, these 10 people I want to, I always know want to know what they're doing. And then maybe you could even flip between, like toggle between, you know, the same way that you would if you were shopping, okay, uh, lowest price or highest rating, or why can't you just click a button and go like close friends and then see your close friends feed and then go back to all. That seems a lot more logical to me than making somebody sign up for a second Instagram account. I can't even check all my stupid social media accounts as they are. I don't need a second Instagram account. That would make me insane. Well, what I always suggest in situations like that, when social media becomes overwhelming, you call contact the Go Agency. GoSalesAndMarketing.com, fantastic agency, handles all of your social media needs and wants. Call them today, 866-926. No, so here's my point. I think it's pretty damn smart because what they're doing is they want you to create a more specific, a hyper-specific version of yourself that ad targeting would be like shooting fish in a barrel. Oh, yuck. Yep. So me... With my marketing budget that I have to invest in for a client, that's going to make, if, the, if people do start doing this, it's going to make the targeting a little bit more effective because Instagram is probably one of the weakest ad platforms um, that I've seen most recently. So I think what they're doing is they're trying, to refine, you know, they're trying to refine it. And I, is it essential? I mean, you know, no, but what is essential anymore? I, I really feel that like there's so much excess everywhere that it's like a more is more. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that was the post-sick, <laughs> that was a post-sick like voice sleeping yeah. into the normal. <laughs> it was like, it was like, it was like agreeing with a door opening, a creaky door. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, that for See, I told you, I'm, I'm almost a human, but not quite. <laughs> I know. I'm still not, coming back from the dead. Not like, yet a woman. Okay, so then, <laughs> oh, good old Brittany. So uh, yeah, okay, so with this, uh, obviously it's an advertising play. I think it's good for advertising. Do I think it's good for society? That's not for me to weigh, weigh in. <laughs> so this is reminding me, I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend mm -hmm. and he's autistic. And he, um, he has this incredible ability to scan Instagram at the highest speed possible. 
So he'll flip, 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 flip. And then he makes mental images of all the things he sees. And then later, so he'll do that for five minutes, but it's about an hour of content he'll get through. And then later he will analyze it in his head when he's doing something else to identify patterns and see what people are posting about and like figure out based on oh, that where where society is headed and what people are thinking about and what they care about and things like that and then he'll do an analysis with his incredible brain and go like scan it and then come out and spit out da data and 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 insights right? right so as a result he wants to look at the maximum number of accounts he can to gather as much data as he can and he said that Instagram capped him at following 7,500 people. I think it was, was the number. Is that true? Or is there a bigger number? You probably know this. Um, 7,500? It's, um, it's levels. Because what they do is the same thing that Twitter does. Like you can follow, um, you have to have people following you back. And it's kind of oh, a, there's an ever okay. percentage. Okay. So for him, I think it was 7,500. And he was very angry about the fact he couldn't follow anyone else. So he actually complained and like sent a letter and called Instagram. <laughs> like tried called to Instagram. Get, <laughs> tried to get his number up because he was so mad. So it's been like the bane of his last, you know, week or two because he can't follow anyone else and it's making him crazy. Oh my God. Because he wants more data. But anyway, I thought that was very funny because I was thinking, wow, he would hate that because he wants to follow as many people as possible yeah. so he can like you know do his mathematics but um he was but if but just looking at it from this perspective if he were to do that and he were to find key accounts that that actually show a prime example of what he's trying to prove with his analysis he could then put those people in the inner circle and then he can just do he could look through less and see more but i think he wants to do the maximum number to do the, he wants the most data possible to make mm -hmm. his decisions. He doesn't want he doesn't want anyone else calculating it for him. He wants to calculate the raw yeah. data. Well, anyway, I, thought, I know. Um, well, that's it's, fa the, it's, fa it's fascinating, but well, that's the other thing too. With um, another thing that Instagram is going to do um, is in next year they're going to be bringing back the chronological um, order. Um, so you're, it's not going to be algorithmically based. It's going to be based on when things are posted. April, what do you think about Instagram's chronological bringing the backends? I mean, I like that. I, again, though, I don't understand why it can't just be you toggle between the two, like most recent posts or most popular posts mm. or close friend posts. That to me, if I were running Instagram, and I, I mean, only from a user perspective, obviously they're looking at a lot of other information about revenue and, and things like that. But from a user perspective, I would like that a lot. I think that would be really cool. If you could just mm -hmm. click the button, this is the kind of feed I want now. This is, you know, or no ads. And then you pay a subscription to Instagram or something mm -hmm. like that. Cause mm -hmm. you don't want to get all the sponsored content. I don't know why there aren't options like that, but I think that would be cool. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I think that I, as a, as a marketer that's focused on engagement, that's not great. Um, I think that that chronological will kill engagement for key accounts. Because, I see. So what you have to do is you have to work your ass off to get that engagement. 
And that engagement, why are you working to get that engagement? So that you increase the amount of times that you're showing up in feeds. So if this is all still true, and again, while I'm a digital marketer, I don't know how they're going to change this before it becomes live. But mm-hmm. how I'm looking at it right now, you will pop up if you've posted something recently, more often if you get lots of engagement. So that's how it would work on the algorithm. So if I had a post that got 65 likes, then the next time I posted something, it would show up more readily in the feed. But what if I'm not mm-hmm. posting for a couple of days? How long does that algorithm hold? So I think it's going to increase usage by brands. Um, but my problem with that is that I can't even foresee how some brands are getting their head around reels or IG lives or IGTVs. They're really struggling with it. And it's kind of like, well, who's creating the content? I don't know who the videos are. I, how, who's doing the creating the videos? And videos is a big deal on Instagram right mm-hmm. now. So I feel like this is another thing that's going to be a little bit of a stumbling block to get over. Um, because I would say that if I'm looking at it like this, then I need to advertise to get my stuff seen. So yep. this is the second counterpoint that looks like it could be an advertising play. Yeah. Interesting. Which, which I don't, I, I honestly don't love. Um, I, as a marketer, I can see how that works and advertising is fantastic, but I really do enjoy when people have real conversations and you get rewarded for that. And I think when you become, when something is enriching, and your audience likes it, you should be rewarded for it. And I think that that's how it should go. But again, this is not um, the Instagram best friends club. I mean, this is, you know, this isn't the sisterhood of the traveling pants. (laughs) Or the sequel, (laughs) sisterhood of the traveling um, jorts. But, you know, just saying. Um, (laughs) I know that's one of your favorite movies. It, it is not. Oh, come on. We Actually, about... you know what? I don't know if I've seen it. I, I know that I haven't seen it. Even though I'm very aware of bras, I have never seen <laughs> Sister of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> I'm more familiar with bras than pants. <laughs> All I know is that the jeans were worn by everybody. That's the only thing I know about that movie. And there's sisterhood in it. I don't even know that, so I definitely didn't see the movie. Okay, well, you're, you're obviously missing out because they made a sequel. Okay. Um, so, th- see, I'm giving you, lo- while you're recuperating, while you're becoming the rest of the woman that you, you've <laughs> lost over the past month, you can, you can just put on I have, VHS. <laughs> I have watched so many romantic comedies. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Everything else was too depressing because that was too, like, ugh. Oh, you know what's really funny on Comedy Central? Um, it's a movie called um, A Cluster Funk Christmas. And it's a whole thing is a parody of a Hallmark movie from start to finish. That, that sounds pretty fun. It's really fun. Okay. That's, that's something you can put on your list after you- Let's do one after, more. After you, like, you uh, take two uh, Sisters of the Traveling Pants to the head, <laughs> definitely jump onto that. Amazing. Uh, all right, so we have our next segment, which I'm really excited about. I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it all day. <laughs> which, <laughs> cash or trash? Cash or trash? It and is this, my favorite segment. Oh my god, this is I, yeah, I, I really like this one because it's we, really we, fun. Yeah. Um. So this is the one, uh, the segment where we talk about um, a fantastic 
um, idea that's either terrible or, or really, really great. Um, so we have the most delicious of stories. Would you like to reveal this to the, to the <laughs> Unleash the Feast? <clears throat> Oreo and Barefoot Wines have collaborated to make a brand mashup. Oh my God. And what, the first thing I thought was, I, I said to you, I was like, oh my God, I immediately get a headache anytime I hear Barefoot Wine. Um, Cause it's gross. Oh. But the, um, sorry, Barefoot Wine lovers, but that, that your, your tipple of choice is gross. The, um, but, uh, so anyway, Barefoot Wines available for $1.99 at any um, grocery store. This, I, I read, I saw it and the first thing I thought was, oh, Oreo flavored? So what are they going to do? And it's Oreo Thins too, right? So bizarre. Oreo Thins Red Blend. Yeah. So is it, it's not Oreo flavored wine though. It's no. Oreos pairing. Yeah. It's what they're doing is they're introducing a hint of chocolate into the red. Um, shut up. And then it, but, then the, but the wine comes with a package of Oreo thins and it's it? already sold out. It well, went on sale. It went on sale was sold out a day later. Well, why do you think that there's 75,000 different flavors of Oreos at all times? It's because there's, an, there's a strong fan base behind Oreos. Um, and um, I, I really do feel like, for example, Cheetos and Lay's and like all of these, Pepsi, anytime they do anything, they sell it really quickly on this stuff. Do we think that we, they had them in every single store or they were available, readily available? No, there was probably a thousand available online. And that's why they sold out. But right. um, I think it's attention getting, but it's gross. And it's, I don't know. I hate it. I really hate it. <laughs> it's like, it's like hooking your, trash. it's trash. Like hooking your wagon to a piece of shit. It's like, I, I mean, I think it's good for Barefoot because Barefoot gets to use o Oreo's name. And I think Oreo has a bigger name, brand name than Barefoot. But um, yeah, and also Oreo Thins too. I don't know. I'm not an Oreo fan. Um, I mean, I used to be, mm. but I don't eat cane sugar anymore. And mm. that is sort of all that that is. Right. So I, I don't, I do understand the appeal of Oreos though. Mm, yeah, I, I but can. I do not understand the appeal of red wine and Oreos. Ugh. I think that I can see like chocolate pairing with wine and that makes sense. But I think that it's the cream. It's the cream that really throws me off of this one. Um, because what the what I think about an Oreo every time is twisting it off and someone eating the cream. Like that's kind it's of just what I disgusting. Yeah. What you don't like a full tongue inside of the cream, creamy center of an Oreo? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, disgusting. This is, this is great. And like, and then I mean God, I went, I remember Ugh. I went to um, Who eats them that way? Just eat the freaking cookie. It's a cookie. I don't like any cookie that collapses when I eat it. And that is one of those cookies <laughs> that you bite it and it goes like, and like, it like turns into a V. And you're like, what the hell? Now I have to, is this a two biter? I want multiple bites. This is like, you're giving me a two biter here. I mean, 
I don't know. They bite. And then, and then unless you stuff the whole thing in your mouth, which I've seen people do too, so that you oh, the, cookie, the cookie crumbles on your mouth. Oh, and it's like that black tar on your face, and it's like your teeth are all black. And, oh, and then it gets it's it's like kind of a cookie too that crumbles and then gets stuck in all your gums. Yeah, you're like you're like the side of your mouth. It looks like you like wash your mouth out with coffee grinds. Yeah, it does. <laughs> or you got really bad fleas. Anytime I go to a party and someone has a plate of Oreos out, I get really upset because I don't feel like as a host, you should put out things that make your, 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 your guest's mouth look that disgusting. It's like, like blue lollipops. Yeah. So next time I throw a party for you, I'm going to just have Oreos and blue lollipops. Oh my God. Gross. And like, or like some cocktail with like blue Caraco or blue Carousel or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Oreos, bite it. That sucks. Um, it's okay. trash. Don't trash. like it. Don't 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 call me complaining barefoot ones that I don't like your brand. Um, <laughs> and also, I never thought about it. Barefoot does it? Does that mean like how they s- stepped on the grapes? Is barefoot or? I think so. They should have said Doc Martens. Um, okay, so uh, that's Crocs. our Crocs. <laughs> Or those crocs that we were talking about? What were they? Macaroni and cheese crocs, or what was it? No, they were Hidden Valley Ranch uh, oh. collaboration with Crocs. Oh my god, that was amazing too. That was absolutely gross. And if you want to hear our thoughts on that, listen to past episodes of Hype Busters available wherever you're listening to this now. Just look at the one before. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's 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 pretty foolproof, right? That was good. Um, we'll find very, out. very good. Um, very all right. very good. So let's go into another another one of our favorite segments because they're all favorites. It's children, you know what I mean? They're all your favorites, um, except for Steve. But the um, the we have. Um, would you like to introduce this segment? Yes, our next segment is. One moment. <laughs> oh my God, this is so tentative. Okay. Just the tip. <laughs> oh, she said it. She said it. Uh, yep. Just I didn't say quite as scintillating as Chris does, but. Yeah, see, and I allowed, I, I gave you, I was just like, hey, you know what? You're not feeling good. Just put, he just pushed me into it. Yeah. Put your strength <laughs> on it, April. Um, just, but just the tip. Just the tip of it. Um, just the tip. <laughs> gross, right? Super gross. If so, you're, dude. If you're, one of our, if you're one of our uh, Patreon subscribers, you can see my finger. That's what, like, I hate when I listen to podcasts. They're like, if you're Patreon, if you're listening to us on Patreon, oh you can God. see my face now. It's like, uh, I, I'm listening to your podcast. I, don't I have I have a Facebook friend slash former colleague that will colleague uh, in the in the comedy community who um, got a really big bruise on her ass. Oh, and started posting photos of the evolution of the bruise on her ass on Instagram. And then last night announced that if you want to know the story behind the bruise, you have to sign up for a Patreon account. Oh my God. That's hilarious. And it was funny too, because she has a nice ass, but it's not like perfect. So the photos are very like, they're like in between being really alluring and also like just a normal person's ass with bad lighting. Uh, Very funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, uh, so, so the, the tip that we're going to be shoving in right now is, um, employee <laughs> retention 
and an evolving world. Okay, so we were kind of shooting the shit about this a few times because you know, me and me and April chat outside of the show. We're not just co-hosts, we're friends. And so we were just chatting outside of the show about this. Yay, friends. Don't shut up, Siri. Um, but uh, I was, uh, we're, one of the trends that we're seeing across the board is kind of how, people trying to find ways of keeping their employees and dealing with workforce shortages. So we thought we'd just offer a little bit of insights of our own um, on that subject. April, you know, in terms of what you've been seeing in terms of retention, what, what, what are your thoughts on this stuff? Well, <clears throat> a couple of things. I mean, one is that it's a very, very, very competitive market for getting talent. And yep. it's, um, it's pretty frustrating for a startup agency that wants top level talent because, you know, we can't necessarily compete with the prices that bigger firms can yep. or even, or even in-house jobs. And so um, I just had somebody slip through my fingers who I really, really wanted to hire and we offered her what she asked for, but somehow somebody else decided to offer her more. So there wasn't a bidding war that happened. I mean, we even had gone up from the previous offer and that she put on the table is what she wanted and then poof, gone. So <clears throat> that was uh, disappointing. But I think um, one of the things that I'm realizing is that that all of this has shifted with so many people getting now remote jobs. Yeah. So when we started as an agency, one of the things that we offered that nobody else did at the time was you can work from home. You can work remotely. We don't care where you are. You can work from the beach. You can, as long as you're yeah. appropriate with a background that's professional for client calls, I don't really care where you are. You know, I don't care what hours you work. I don't care. I mean, as long as, again, you're like, responsive to the team and stuff like that I don't really care so um that shifted now because a lot of other companies are also offering remote options yep. and so that's no longer a perk that trust relations has um, in the bag right? right so i am now thinking harder about what are some of the other competitive things that we can do or how can we make sure that our culture, at least as a remote agency, feels really familial and that people are part of a team and, you know, that we're, that it feels like an exciting, it has a real identity, you know, as a place to work um, because remote is no longer necessarily unique, right? So this is interesting. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, I just upped the budget for things like, um, giving people just spot gifts. If they did a really great job on something, suddenly get, they get like a $25, you know, customized gift. That's exactly perfect based on their personality that shows that we care and we know them, you know, that kind of thing. Or if somebody is sick or had a family issue or something like that, sending care packages and stuff like that. So we now have a, a monthly budget allocated to just giving people, you know, spot, spot gifts just for whatever we deem appropriate based on what the team's going through, you know? Um, so we're doing that and we're going to start giving gifts also for kudos. We've been doing kudos at every all agency meeting, but we haven't been doing it with any sort of, it's just sort of like the recognition, but now we're going to give those people <laughs> gifts too, too. So we're yeah. doing that and, um, you know, having like a fun white elephant gift 
exchange for Christmas, which we did last year as well. But um, there's a funny online, uh, it's called White Elephant Online. That was actually our client. And um, you can go in and it, it's fun. You can like, steal the gifts from people and there are little gifts that come up that show it getting stolen, you know, some oh, funny cool. Yeah, it's really cute. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about in addition to, okay, like next year, we're definitely going to have to do an employee retreat and stuff like that, where, you know, we get everybody together and person for the first time, like, you know, um, budget accordingly for that, because that's not going to be cheap. So there, I, I feel like I just need to invest more in making sure that people feel part of a of the fam of the trust relations family as it were right you know it's, that it mm-hmm. has that uh, appeal to stay with us and yeah feel I, connected I, yeah i think that that's i think that's a really important um thing that this weird scenario provided the catalyst for for us to like look at our staff in a different way and value them by taking away opportunities for us to overlook them if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, obviously every, uh, all of our staff work really, really hard all the time. And, you know, it's kind of like, we forget how hard they're working or we don't really identify that. Like, for example, I'd said, I was talking to you about our Christmas party. I'm going to be cooking for like the next school day for having all this, the staff over to my house where I'll cook for them. I'll serve them. I'll take care of them and really make sure that they feel valued. And, you know, members of the team, cause they are. It's not like I'm lying to them or blowing smoke up their ass. And that's one of the things that I find companies are struggling with, that authenticity, because they're saying they care, but they're not consistent. Showing it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I could be hard on my staff and I could be, I can build them up and I can also point out their mistakes and whatever, but I'm consistently doing this. It's not like all of a sudden, once in a while, I show up and I'm really super nice and then I'm a jerk. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they need to know you, your authentic self. Um, another thing that I would say, if I'm just going to shove my tip in, my tip would be that um, we uh, that ABH always be hiring, always have uh, always have opportunities out there that you're promoting, so you can always constantly get people in. And the reason yeah. I, reason I say that now is I told you before, April, we had um, a account manager position open. Generally, I would get like 175 plus applications to that and I got three and all three of them were just absolutely I could never hire them in a million years they would never be able to do the job like they were like I hope they're not listening yeah and if you are listening you're not qualified so um sorry (laughs) I mean you can't work at Sherwin-Williams and then become an account manager um handling Under Armour I'm sorry that's not how it works in the world oh my god thank you for your paint mixing skills um Paul but uh what's in his name but uh but yeah <laughs> i know everyone's probably thinking like i'm naming and blaming these people now i'm just making up names uh but but yeah i think it, it's like really constantly looking at what happens and also if you're always in the hiring mode um you can see when there's influxes of applications so maybe there's certain times in the year that you can see when you are going to get more rather than others mm-hmm. because I, a lot of like the rules don't apply anymore like I, when I started my company, it was like, okay, when college students are, if you want to get, if you want to get qualified labor, that's trainable, you have to go for college graduates and they, and they, they come out at this time. And this is when you can get them. Not the case at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Not the case at all. And 
I think also understanding the fact that your, your workforce has to be remote and can be in person. You can do a hybrid. It doesn't have to be. Everyone needs to be completely remote or completely all together. And we've, we've done that successfully as well. We've been starting to do that a little bit um, because a lot of our, and it's been hard for my company to move into having people that are remote from other states because of the bond that we formed. So there's a lot of things that we do. So for example, your bond has been formed remotely. Mine's been mm-hmm. in person. We do things with our staff. I mean, we haven't for the last year or so, but, um, but we get together, we have outings, we, we are doing monthly things and then that all dropped off. So, um, but I think finding, like you said, making them feel valued mm-hmm. and also keeping your ear to the rails and always trying to recruit is going to help you not get hit. Yep. But, but honest to God, right? Guys, you're gonna be screwed if you need to hire a bunch of people. If you have problems with bandwidth, you're screwed. Like there's no easy results anymore. You can't just hire someone uh, off of a, like, you know what I mean? Just offer a ton of money, like you said, April. Like you can give them exactly what they want and then they're gonna be like weighing up the offers. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. I mean, I think she just got a counter offer that was higher and took it. Mm-hmm. From some or other- they had a client I mean, that they liked or something. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. I mean, we were already pushing our luck to, and our budget to hire her where she wanted to be. So when she said no, it was like, well, more money for us. <laughs> yeah, right. It does happen like that. I mean, a lot of companies are evolving and increasing their prices and just mm-hmm. reducing their staff. So, but again, less opportunities for people to work um, and more growth opportunities for the companies. But how we were talking about before, where we were talking about, we had like a whole hold off on proposals coming through. And then all of a sudden, December, it's like jackpot. But then it's like, wow. jackpot. what am I going to do for January? Like, how am I going to deliver all of this stuff? And um, this is a common issue that we face as agencies, but this, this year was definitely different. Don't you think it was definitely different than norm? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I've never had such an influx in December. I've usually, what was also strange was that I normally have an influx of pre-holiday consumer clients around September, October yeah. that realize all of a sudden all at once they need yep. holiday coverage. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any of that because I didn't either. Issues. I didn't either. Um, we usually have, it's usually October. I call them the October babies. And yeah. they're they, basically, they're like a mid-month October client. They, yep. they well, if we have one call. Holiday! <laughs> they're all the... <laughs> They're actually like, it's so funny. They come with their hair on fire and like smoke coming out of their ears, like a total panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, none of them, none of them. And not one, not one this year. Me neither. Actually, actually, that's not true. I had one, 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 but one that is now out of budget has to go away. Oh, okay. Sorry. See ya bastard. But like, uh, but um, it's, uh, I thought it was really odd this year and I'm kind of happy about it because I don't necessarily love the immediacy of those campaigns and also the results tend to be completely out of whack with what they want um especially on your end my god you have to deliver pr campaigns in like 30 days or less like give me a break well and a lot i mean the the bigger issue with those is that you never know which outlets have already closed on holiday gift guides yeah so you can start pitching then but oof it's like you're going to get some but there's also going to be a number of outlets that already already mm. did the story. It's already in the can. Right. So you're too late. Yeah. But that's why you have to start pitching for anybody listening. 
mm -hmm. is interested in PR and you have a consumer product, please, 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 please do not start any later than September. Absolutely. And, and also, if you Just are, tip. if you, if, yeah, I'm going to give you a further tip. I'm going to go down to the, I'm going to go down further. Um, but uh, the, the, going on from that, if you are going to listen to April and do that, come up with what your discount is going to be and what your, what, pro, what promotion you're going to be running during Black Friday and Cyber Monday and reverse engineer what the layout of that's going to be. Um, one of the things that we see is it's going to be like, okay, we need a Black Friday deal, we need a Cyber Monday deal, go. Mm -hmm. And the deal, the reason why I'm urging that now is because there's lots of things going to be coming up where it's kind of like a holiday that you want to focus on. Think about your supply chain. I have, I've had clients and other people that I've consulted with that over the years where they've not had the stock to fulfill the actual um, deal that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting the deal in December, they're going to be getting it in February. And that is refund time. So then a lot of people are getting refunds and that's terrible because <laughs> people get really angry. So just make sure that your supply chain isn't, you have stock, you know where it's coming from, it's guaranteed, it's ready to go. Um, then you're, you'll be able to kind of deliver on it. Um, yeah. We've kind of varied from the workforce, <laughs> but I do. We, feel like, we do, that's right. And, and I'm, now I'm paranoid about every time I say, mm-hmm. Mm, no, no, no. <laughs> no, that sounded like the normal. Mm -hmm. Okay, it, good. It was, like, <laughs> it was it was literally like a creaky door noise that you use on Halloween to scare like trick or treaters. It was it was creaky, or like a creaky, a creaky like box or something. But yeah, okay. So just a tip. I'm putting it away. Um, but you can always look at my fingertip on our Patreon channel. <laughs> oh my god! Amazing. The finger. So, um, so what else do we got, April? Do we have think, anything else to talk think, to everybody? No, it's a wrap. It's a wrap, Chris. Oh, we wrap in. Absolutely, yeah. it's a quesadilla. So, um, <laughs> we're gonna put a lid on this. I think it's a burrito. It's a burrito. It's, we're burritoed. <laughs> yeah, we're burritoed. We're all done. All right, awesome. Like, guys, thanks so much for for listening to this fascinating episode where I talked about my thumb. If you'd like to follow my <laughs> thumb on Instagram, um, go at, at Chris's Thumb. Uh, you will find me and all of my thumbs adventures. Uh, but again, April, it's a good episode. It was. If you guys have any questions about news, companies, conversations, or anything like that from the show this week, you can find our contact details in the episode show notes below. Yeah, and if you want to be, if you, we usually have guests on the show, but we just wanted to talk um, this hour. If you think you'd be a great guest, you can always reach out to us. And we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and also, you can like, follow us, send us a positive review. I like those. Five Flip star. Flip into Chris's only. DM. He loves, he loves DMs. Just the tip. And um, slide <laughs> at just the tip on Instagram and also <laughs> on Antiquity <laughs> Talkative. Um, but yeah, get in touch with us. Um, please feel free to give us any feedback on the show or any topics that you want to discuss. Shoot us them over. How about that? We'll see you next time for more real talk on strategic communications with me, April. And me, Chris. Love ya. Bye. Bye.